Okay, so I hear you like books. Why, yes, I do. That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book. Because when you read a book as a child, it becomes part of your identity in a way that no other reading in your whole life does. And I have gotten carried away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you have. Are you seeing the books? Everything you would want to read is right here. Feel it. Feels good, right? Just smell it. Nothing, nothing smells like that. Welcome, friends, to episode 9 of Team Friendship Reads the Newberries. Today, we'll be reviewing A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle. I'm here with my fellow podcasters and my favorite friends, Lauren. Hello. And Mandalay. What up, friends? And how are you guys doing today? (laughs) Doing well. Fabulous. So before we get started, I just want to clear up, is it Madeline or Madeline? <laughs> you know, Lingle. I, it's a really I'm not good sure. Question. I say I'm going to ask Google. Yeah, I think I've been saying Madeline and then when I said it, it came out Madeline. So that was fun. All right. Well, let's get right into For the Love of Books. Mandy. You've just been loving this book that we've been reading. (laughs) I am actually loving it. Good. I'm glad. While I only made it to chapter 11, I am loving it. And I think that I'm probably going to keep reading the next book. So That is awesome. I'm proud of you, Mandy. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm proud of me, too. (laughs) All right, Leah. Tell us. What is your so, for the love of books stuff? <laughs> I I really love books, so bear with me. <laughs> I have been listening to two different children's audiobooks that were simply delightful. The first one was Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. It's a Newbery Honor Award winner, that book. And I believe we talked about it before. That was my first encounter with that book. And then I recently heard two different people recommend it. So I thought I need to do this. But I would recommend and I was recommended to listen to it on audiobook because the author herself reads it and it's written in prose, which when you listen to it on audiobook sounds like spoken word, which I'm a big fan of. And it was just... I felt like I was diving into her childhood and experiencing everything with her, which is exactly what I was looking for. I wanted just a perspective of um, this black girl growing up in the South and in briefly in the North, but mostly in the South and in New York City and different experiences that she's had and things that I wouldn't necessarily know if I didn't read this book. So it was hilarious and sad and just eye-opening I would highly recommend it awesome yes my other audiobook and Lauren's gonna tell a little bit bit about this I think as well is Echo and that's by Pam Pam Munoz Ryan yes that was fabulous and every time I hear harmonicas now I want to cry (laughs) (laughs) 
which that definitely the audiobook. I don't know. I would like to reread it. We've talked about that, Lauren, in paper, mm-hmm. on paper. But the audiobook is just phenomenal because of all the different musical elements. Yeah. It definitely makes it yeah they like the audiobook is like in and of itself its own production like a lot of work went into it there's like four different narrators who are awesome there's music throughout it's just really good yeah i like music you would love it mandy yeah everybody needs to read this book everybody (laughs) yes they do i'll add it to my large queue yes (laughs) It's really good. Um, Let's see. So we've recently visited, Lauren and I, for my kind of late birthday celebration. We went to Chicago. We went to Shake Shack. What? what? And also (laughs) we checked out this bookstore called Sandmeyer Books. It's in Publishers Row, which you can Google that if you want to know more about the history there. And it was good. It was a really small shop, but it was comfortable and they had great happy music playing and a small selection, but somehow we still managed to kill like two hours in there. So yeah, it was, it was fun. A lot of fun. Unfortunately, we don't have great bookstores near us. So no, we have a singular my last bit of book love is that for my birthday, Lauren ordered me and Mandy, because we all celebrate my birthday. Um, yes. <laughs> and herself. Yes. And my don't forget me. <laughs> Gotta have one for me, too. Lauren ordered all of us uh, the first Harry Potter book in the house editions. It was the celebration for, what was it, like the 25th anniversary or something like that? It's the 20th anniversary of the Philosopher's 20th. Stone. Yes. So exciting. Mm-hmm. So we get our... I just love Harry Potter. Yeah. So the publisher, Bloomsbury, published the house editions to celebrate. So I ordered a Gryffindor one for Mandy. And Ravenclaw for Leah and myself, because those are our houses. <laughs> because we know these things, because we're yes. nerds. <laughs> I'm the only noble one yes. among us. Now, if you're listening, you're like, what's the Philosopher's Stone? I thought it was called Sorcerer's Stone. Well, in America, it's called the Sorcerer's Stone. And if you want to know why they changed the name, you can Google it. So... <laughs> Yes, but the books didn't come to America until the year after they came out in England. And Simple answer. It was all about marketing. uh, And Scholastic is the publisher in America. So so next year will be the 20th anniversary for the Sorcerer's Stone in America. So people are wondering if Scholastic will do some some type of special edition as well. Mm. Nothing has been announced. So... Everyone loves to make money. Yeah, so I had to order these from Amazon UK. So I hope they come in good condition. (laughs) I had a dream they were here. Well, on Friday, your dream will be a reality, or whenever they're getting here. It's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) They look really pretty, so... They do. And, like, from other people that I've heard that ordered them, like, they have, like, info on, like, the 
whatever house you get, there's like info about your house and, you know, quote unquote famous people that were from that house and all kinds of fun stuff. So should be exciting. It's going to be so fun. I know. Thanks for having a birthday, Leah. You are welcome. (laughs) Yeah. I was... I was going to get them for you guys for Christmas because we always get each other, you know, epic Christmas gifts. And, uh, but then I was like, wait, Leah has a birthday now. So I'm getting them now. (laughs) (laughs) I have a reason right now. I love it. So Lauren, we've talked a little bit about your love of books. Do you have anything else to add? Currently reading A Wind in the Door, which is the second book in the Wrinkle in Time series. So I'm excited about that. I'm also been into some manga lately. Nice. Been reading Attack on Titan. My husband and I, um, we like to watch the anime together. And they've only done two seasons. And so they're up through number, I think they got up through number 12 or 13. And I think there's, like, way more than that. So we need answers, and we're not waiting until next year to find out. Although we'll still watch the anime, because the anime is really well done. But So that's what I'm into. Um, It's not child-appropriate, so don't read those to your kids. (laughs) (laughs) It's about, like, these giant titans coming and eating humans, so it's kind of scary. But it's very intriguing. So that's what I've been into. Um, So like Leah said, we went to that cool bookstore. So I bought, I purchased a few books. I purchased The Year of Billy Miller by Kevin Hankies, which was the Newbery Honor book, I think in 2013, maybe. Anyway, so I bought that one because it looked cute. And I also purchased Winnie the Pooh. Because I've never read them, and I nice. think it's about time. Yes. So I'm going to be reading that. I've read a little bit. You're going to love it. Yes. And I didn't buy this at the bookstore we went to, but uh, a few weeks ago, Amazon was having a sale on Wonder. Mm, yes. So I bought that. I haven't started reading it yet, but that's that one's next on the list. So Perfect. Yeah, and then because it's the 20th anniversary of the Philosopher's Stone, Pottermore, which is the official like Harry Potter Wizarding World website, they've been doing a summer book club reading through the Philosopher's Stone, also known as the Sorcerer's Stone. And so every week mm-hmm. on Pottermore, there'll be like our articles that kind of evoke uh, different discussions and such from the book and then every friday on twitter they actually have like a live twitter discussion so i haven't like commented because everyone else i mean there's like a ton of people that participate so oh i'm sure i would not have an original thought so i just kind of you know like stuff so (laughs) so it's been kind of fun so that's what i've been into with my love of books i will now turn it over to mandy with the book news Yes! Insert news jingle. Oh boy. We're never going to get one of those. (laughs) I'll do it myself if I have to. (laughs) 
All right. So our good friend and favorite author, Kwame Alexander. Yes. He has a book coming out August 1st called Solo. What's it about? Uh, It tells the story of 17-year-old Blade Morrison, who knows the life of a rock star isn't really about the glitz and glamour. Is this book like, because when we read... The other book that we read of his, it was all told in, like, verse. Is this one written in verse as well? Um, it says, with his signature intricacy, intimacy, and poetic style, Kwame Alexander explores what it means to finally come home. So, we might have to look into that, because I really, I enjoyed uh, the book of his that we read, so. Yes. He has a gift. Um, let's see here. Matt De La Pena! Uh, Matt! (laughs) He's my best friend. Uh, January 16th, 2018. Uh, He has a book coming out called Love. Love. Is that a picture book? It appears, yes. Um, I'm excited about that. January. Yeah, it just says a heartfelt celebration of love. Um, Let's move on here. We're all very excited about uh, Fantastic Beasts. Yes. I feel like everyone probably already knows all this, though. though. Uh, But Dumbledore and Newt will team up against Grindelwald in the new Fantastic Beasts film. Nice. It's going to be terrifying. It's going to be epic. Uh, Dumbledore will be played by one of our favorites. What's his face? (laughs) What's his name, Lauren? Jude Law. I love him. He's so favorite, we can't think of his name. Even though I'm like staring at his face right now. Um, It also says the new Fantastic Beast story will be set in New York, London, and Paris. Oh, multiple settings. (gasps) Guys, I hope we go back to Hogwarts. Oh, why did you have to say that? I miss Hogwarts. Think about it. (sighs) That'd be awesome. Slated to really. Is it November sixteenth, twenty eighteen? Yeah, next year. That's not that far away. I mean, it is, but not really. I know it'll be here soon, next year. We're gonna blink. Oh, we have a casting call. Yeah, they're looking for. Want to be a part of Fantastic Beasts. (laughs) It's specific. You have to be within a certain age requirement. Yes, it says young people. I am not young anymore. So I'm speculating that they will be going, like, doing some flashback scenes of, like, younger Dumbledore. Probably. Maybe his sister, Says between ages 13 and 16. Maybe young Newt, maybe. At Hogwarts. Maybe. (sighs) That'd be so fun. Um, let's move on here to, uh, the news that Leah wanted me to mention. She (laughs) discovered (laughs) that LeVar Burton has his own podcast. Yes. You haven't, have you listened to, like, all of his episodes so far, Leah? I've listened to two different stories. One story was split into into two parts, and they were... I would say they they're on 
a good quality audiobook level with a lot of different sound additions and very entertaining. Check that out. He is, for those who don't know, he's best known for his roles as the host of the long-running PBS children's series Reading Rainbow. He was also in Star Trek The Next Generation. I just want you guys to know that it took everything within me not to start singing the song. <laughs> I was kind of waiting. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know. So you're a little welcome. disappointed. <laughs> Appreciate it, Lauren. Oh, wow. Yep. Appreciate it. And uh, I think that concludes our book news for yes. today. Well done. Yes. And if anyone's listening and thinking, oh, why aren't they talking about a Wrinkle in Time movie trailer? It's because we're going to talk about it later in this episode. So. Yes. So just hang on. Let's talk about the book first. <laughs> yeah. And you just hold your like horses post, there. <laughs> post about it already? Oh, we have posted on the social <laughs> medias. That's what I thought. Yes. So if you if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it right now. And then come Do back it. and listen to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Do what must be done. All right, guys. Let's get into this book. A Wrinkle Let's in Time it. by Madeline or Madeline, whichever you prefer. La Angle. <laughs> Winner. Of the 1963 Newbery Medal. So, let me give you the brief overview that is on Goodreads. It was a dark and stormy night. Meg Murray, her small brother Charles Wallace, and her mother had come down to the kitchen for a midnight snack when they were upset by the arrival of a most disturbing stranger. Meg's father had been experimenting with the fifth dimension of time travel when he mysteriously disappeared. Now the time has come for Meg, her friend Calvin, and Charles Wallace to rescue him. But can they outwit the forces of evil they will encounter on their heart-stopping journey through space? Can they? I don't know. I mean, I know. (laughs) I read the book. Mandy doesn't know. There's only 12 chapters. Could have swore there was 13. All right. Leah, give us some author info and book background. So, um, kind of, I guess it could be book news. In February of 2018, there's supposed to be a book published about Madeline's life called Madeline Lengel, a biography by her granddaughters. So, as you may surmise, it is written by her granddaughters. (laughs) That's cool. Um, Yeah, so we can check that out when it's available. So she was born on November 29th, 1918 in New York City. (gasps) New York City! Yes. We love you, New York. So her early school years, she struggled in school, which seems to be the case for a lot of these creatives. Um, all she really wanted to do was just write for herself and not for school. (laughs) Uh, when she was 12 years old, she moved to the French Alps with her family and she attended an English boarding school. And then by the time she returned to the States for high school, 
she was doing a little better in school and went on to graduate with honors from Smith College with an English degree. And then she moved back to New York City and she lived in Greenwich Village. That is the area, Lauren, what, I don't know if Mandy went with us. We went to the fish and chip shop. Oh, that's where yes. that is. Yeah. So a lot of creatives that's, in that area. That's good fish and chips. <laughs> I don't recall this. Yeah, I don't know if we went that, there with you. Is that the area where like the friend's apartment is? Yes. The well, village. then Mandy's go to that area. Mandy was there. But we yes. didn't do the fish and chips with Mandy. No. No, I wasn't worthy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we <laughs> ate something else. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so she lived there. She worked in the theater. I believe she acted. Um, and then she worked on her first two novels. And while she was um, in the theater life, she met her husband and they got married and had a baby. And so they decided to move to Connecticut because it would be better to raise their family. And so they lived in a small dairy farm town and they revitalized a general store. And for about 10 years, that, that was their lifestyle. And then they couldn't stay away from New York City any longer <laughs> and decided to move back so her husband could continue to pursue his acting. And I read somewhere else. I'm, I can't remember where I saw it. I've skimmed so many different things. Um, but he was apparently known for his role as a doctor on General Hospital, I believe is what it said. He was on a soap opera. So, and I know a couple of those are filmed in New York. So that was his gig. And she just kept writing and raising her family. And then eventually she started working at the Cathedral Church of St. John the Divine. It's an Episcopal, Episcopalian church. Uh, located on the very upper west side, so like above Central Park. And she uh, worked as a librarian and office manager there for more than 30 years. And she just kept writing and wrote about 60 books total. Um, her husband passed away in 86, and then she didn't pass away until... Um, so she died in September of 2007. So she lived a good long life. Yeah. Um, which is probably why we have so many books from her. So, and a little bit of interest for us personally, many of her papers that she wrote are kept at Wheaton College here in Illinois. So I wonder Sweet. if you can like, look at those. Road trip, anybody? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So she has a great interest, had a great interest in the arts and religion and how they related to each other. She wrote a book about it and um, she was very much into her faith and theology and how it all worked together with her love of the arts and science. And um, because of that, she was a very controversial author. Um, and Lauren and I were just discussing off air how Wrinkle, uh, Wrinkle in Time was actually on the list of most banned books that the library, the American Library Association put out a list of most banned books between, oh, I want to say 1960 and 2000 or something like that. And 
hers made the list because I'm not really sure why. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I researched and researched and the most I can come up with is a couple things. One is her mention of um, witches and the crystal ball and just general sorcery. A lot of Christian circles are very offended by anything that mentions sorcery. Um, and so the things that I could come up with, it it kind of pointed toward that. The fact that she brings up Jesus and lists him with a lot of other philosophers was offensive to many um, Christians. And also just the fact that she kind of presents herself as a Christian and the book as a Christian work because it does quote scripture several times. I think it just brought in a lot of confusion and unneeded controversy because people suddenly thought that this was, well, let me just read a quotation for you. <laughs> um, this was in an, in an article about the banning and it said, this is just the author of this article. He said, when fiction is not read as fiction, but as philo- philosophy or aphorism I'm not familiar with that word the reader however well-intentioned does the writer a significant injustice and I'm pretty sure that's what happened with with this book because she mentions her faith and different aspects of faith and spirituality and and whatever else then people started to look at this as telling children how to believe about God. And so a lot of people got really offended and petitioned to have the book banned. Um, Lame. (laughs) (laughs) So Madeline, she kind of just took it in stride and she seems like one of those classic New Yorkers that can just handle things. But one of her quotations about the banning was, uh, we have always liked banning. And Hitler and his cohorts started banning books and then to killing people. You've got to be very careful of banning. What you ban is not going to hurt anybody, usually, but the act of banning is. So that was her take on it. Um, So yeah, so it's still... I I don't know if today it's still being considered as a book to be banned, um, but up until I believe the 90s it was still on the on a few lists so yeah that was interesting to me um I'm holding back I'm just I know I know you're doing a good job thanks so (laughs) (laughs) and to be I mean we also discussed how um Lord of the Rings is on that list of banned books and I know some of C.S. Lewis's books have been banned in the past so she's in good company when it comes to banned <laughs> books. Banned books are cool books. <laughs> There's actually a, quite a few websites <laughs> out there promoting banned books. So, yeah. I feel um, like banned books are like the books that had an effect on people that they didn't necessarily like. And mm-hmm. and right. I think that's the thing is this book is so powerful. I think it may have scared some people (laughs) i don't know but yeah i don't know i think because the giver is one of the books which yeah it's a newberry winner that has been banned and like that kind of like this book kind of gets into the dystopian society 
like kind of confronting like you know communism and socialism and right you know the giver does that and so i think that could be a part yeah, of it too i mean like, one of the reasons like, oh we don't need to fill the children's heads with you know stuff like this right one of the reasons you can give for requesting a book to be banned is that it goes against our what did they say like sense of community or something with their community standards mm-hmm. or something like that so that kind of opens it up to pretty much anything exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, so every book will probably be banned at some point exactly. or another because I mean, the list you're going to offend somebody, <laughs> Yeah, which is, you know, anyway. Anyway, so the book itself she struggled with. She actually got uh, rejected 26 times before she asked the publisher just to send her the book back and, or I guess her editor to send the book back to her. And around that time, her mom suggested that she meet with this publisher friend of a friend and he read it and loved it and published it so I guess just never quit trying you know because you might be trying to get a Newbery Award winning book published exactly (laughs) um I think oh just a couple of little excerpts in the back of the book that I have it has an interview with her And these are a few of my favorite little clips. Her favorite memory from her childhood is being in her room. And I don't know why, but that just struck me as very thoughtful and Mm -hmm. kind of speaks to the type of person she must have been, I'm sure, because she just loved writing and (laughs) being in her own little world. Right. Having some solitude. Exactly. Peace and quiet. I thought that was sweet. Her favorite meal, this was more for me than anyone else. Her favorite meal <laughs> was cream of wheat with butter and brown sugar, which I love cream of wheat. So I was <laughs> yes. <sighs> That's my childhood right there in a bowl. Yep. Cream exactly. of wheat with brown sugar and milk. So good. I'll have to try it with butter. I've never done that, but that <laughs> everything's that is butter. the missing ingredient. <laughs> Um, and then the last little thing, some she was asked which of her characters, uh, and the, I'm assuming they were asked about this book, but which of her characters was most like her? And she said, none of them. They are all wiser than she is. So that is Madeline. Well, guys, let's dig into this book, A Wrinkle in Time. So before we get into it, Leah, what are your overall thoughts on this book? My overall thoughts are that it took me a while to, I I guess, become a part of the world of this book. I was, I felt very disconnected for a long time and it was hard Mm -hmm. for me to follow their conversations and what was going on, which I think is kind of the point at the beginning, but it just took me a while to really connect with it. But then once I did, I loved it. Awesome. Mandy. Mm. So far, what are your overall <laughs> thoughts on this book? Oh, well, I've been reading and I have five pages left. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> so don't interrupt her. Sorry. Yeah. No, sorry I, that we're doing our podcast in the middle of your reading time. <laughs> I know. It's really awful of you guys to do this. Uh, <laughs> I, But I really love this book and I loved this book from 
like the first chapter. Charles Wallace. Yes. <laughs> yes. A lot of that. I love him. <laughs> I, I and I guess I just love this book has kind of challenged me, I guess, because like I I can't even say now that I even fully understand some of like the sci-fi stuff, you know. Mhm. Um so I kind of like that. I kind of like that I'm trying to like figure out I guess I'm kind of like Meg. I don't know what the crap you guys are talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm just going with it. So. Yep. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Awesome. Well, my thoughts are this book reminds me so much of something out of Doctor Who. Yes. With the time and space travel, with the physics and the science and... Yep exploring dystopian themes and other planets and aliens and just yeah so that's and I'm and I'm like Mandy at this book like from page one I was like yes this is my like this is my thing and I was intrigued and I just wanted to know more and I don't know if it's because I'm into Doctor Who and you know Star Wars and stuff like that that I was able to get into the world a little bit faster than Leah. I don't know. But, yeah, I can't believe I've never read this book before. I can't believe it. Because it's mm-hmm. right up my incredibly nerdy alley. It has all the things I love. You know, it's a children's book. It's sci-fi. It's fantasy. It's dystopian society. It's mystery. It's intrigue. It's just... I just love it. It's so good. So, yeah, now I'm on the second book because... This, you know, like we'll talk about later, this book doesn't answer all of my questions. And I have many Spoiler questions. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you don't know what my questions are. <laughs> all right, so we begin with Meg and Charles Wallace and their mom eating in the kitchen. The Midnight Snack. I loved that. <laughs> yes. It was fun. What did you love about that, Mandy? Charles Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to picture, like, this young boy, like, however old he is, but so, like, smart and, like, polite and, I don't know. <laughs> I know. It just makes me chuckle. Yeah, this kid. This kid <laughs> is probably the most intriguing thing from this book that I'm just mm-hmm. like... I mean, he's a child genius. He is described as being able to, like, read people's thoughts and feelings. He doesn't talk to anyone but his family, so people think he's, like, mentally challenged, but he's mm-hmm. really a genius. So, what now? Charles Wallace. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Leah, do you have thoughts on Charles Wallace? I think he's adorable. I love him. Yeah. I he. I guess the closest I've been to experiencing a Charles Wallace was I met a little girl who's four, and she taught herself how to read. 
and nice. was just like a little genius and was like, I can read that whole Bible story to you. And I was like, uh, yeah, whatever. And she just started <laughs> reading like a 12 year old child. And I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> and i knew her parents homeschooled so i was like how did you teach her like what did you use they said we didn't teach her she just taught herself from hearing us read and she could figure it out on her own i was like wow that is insane (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she was just very articulate and just this tiny little adult and that's kind of who i kept thinking of but obviously he's a boy so (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. You can be a child genius and not be a boy. It's true. <laughs> well, let's talk about Meg. Meg is not good in school. She gets into trouble a lot. Uh, she is good at math, though. So that's something. And I just love Meg. I love her stubborn, feisty personality. She's incredibly loyal to her family and especially protective of Charles Wallace. So the story is told from Meg's perspective. I struggled with Meg. Not at the beginning. I mean, at the beginning, Meg and I, we were the same. Like, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But toward the end, through all of the drama, she just like was breaking down every two seconds. And I'm not going to say I wouldn't be doing that, but it was driving me nuts. Like, pull it together, girl. <laughs> Things are going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. And I know, like, I, you realize, anyway, we'll get there. But yeah, so I like Meg, but it was a love-hate relationship for a while. Sure, yeah. Mandy, what are your thoughts on Meg? I, I, I love Meg. Um... I very much, what's the word? I felt for her. And I, like I said before, I, um, it's hard to get my words together here when I'm trying to read still. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like her the whole time. Like, what the crap are they talking about? A wrinkle in time. What is this? But at the same time, like, I have to, you know, protect Charles Wallace and I need to find my dad. Like, she was just on a mission. So. You know who she reminds me of? And this just hit me. Hmm. Sort of. Not, like, complete, like, identical comparison. But she reminds me of Susan in The Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. Yes. Very much How, like, she's just, like... I don't get what's going on. In fact, I don't even know if this is real, but I just we I just need to get my family back home. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want to bring in the Chronicles of Narnia, but this book uh, there are a lot of things that reminded yeah. me of of that series. So, as yeah. another series that's dear to my heart. That is a compliment. Mhm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, we also get to see uh, Megan Charles Wallace's mom. And the reason I keep referring to him as Charles Wallace, even though the book will refer to him as Charles, is in the second book, he is his character is asked, you know, can we just call you Charles? And he says, no, Charles Wallace is okay. <laughs> you know, that'll be fine. <laughs> it's Charles Wallace. <laughs> I love 
love that. Yeah. So, so their mom is Mrs. Murray or Dr. Murray. She's referred to a lot as Mrs. Murray, but we know that she is also a doctor. She's a physicist and very smart person. She is working to try to find their dad, who has gone missing, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And she's also described as very pretty. At least Meg thinks so. Thoughts on Mrs. Mary? Um, I find her intriguing, but we don't really get to know her that well. We don't. Not in this book. She's apparently gorgeous, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's funny just how she dealt with her kids and... I guess it's definitely a mom thing that each child is different and your parenting style needs to be different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she does seem to know that Charles is unique and needs to be taken care of. Do you guys get the sense that, like, they know something about Charles Wallace that we don't? Yes. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, yes and no. What is it? I get the sense that they know something, but kind of don't I mean, know like, exactly at the same time. I feel like he is not one of them. <laughs> exactly. See, I feel like Mrs. Murray knows. I feel like Meg doesn't know. Yeah. That's what I feel like. I agree. That's my opinion. Hmm. Well, Meg obviously doesn't know because she doesn't understand, like, how he's communicating yeah. with the other people. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's quickly, let's, uh, so Meg and Charles Wallace's brothers, Dennis and Sandy, they're twins. They're the middle children in the family. And though they are intelligent, like their parents, they are able to fit in with their peers. So they are good at sports. They don't really try hard in school, so they're B students, and so they are viewed as the quote-unquote normal ones in the family because they are able to adapt and kind of hide their intelligence so people don't think they're strange. Yeah, the normal ones. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, conformity is definitely the enemy in this book. (laughs) You learn early on. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. That's a good point, Leah. It's a good point. Finish the book, guys. Good work. Awesome. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So let's talk about Mrs. What's-It. We meet Mrs. What's-It in Chapter 1. She appears as an old lady dressed in multiple layers of clothing. And we learn that Charles Wallace has met her before in the haunted house in the woods. Along with her companions, Mrs. Who and Mrs. Witch. And we learn later that Mrs. What's-It actually used to be a star. And she sacrificed herself by exploding to destroy part of the black thing. Which we'll talk about later mm. also. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about with Mrs. What's-It? Or? I'm intrigued by the three of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still real confused about them, so I don't feel confident so am I. saying anything. <laughs> what are you confused about? Maybe I could well, help I answer. Well, I love them, and then questions. they really made me angry. I mean, first of all, their names are so stinking similar. I was having mm-hmm, a hard time mm-hmm. 
Remembering who is who. All right. and Let's talk about that. So we have Mrs. What's It. And so she's the one that kind of talks the most and interacts the most kind of with the kids. And she appears as an old lady. She turns kind of into a centaur and when they go to that other planet. And then we have Mrs. Who. And she has the magical spectacles. And she communicates in several different languages and by quoting famous people. Yeah, I love that. That was mm-hmm. the best. <laughs> so that's Mrs. Who with the special glasses. And then Mrs. Witch appears as a shimmering light most of the time because corporeal appearance is hard for her to do. And she's the wisest of the three. And her speech is long and drawn out. And she gives the children clues to help them on their quest. Yeah, you should hear it when you have Google read the book to you when she talks. What does it sound like? (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) she like just like spells the words out (laughs) oh my word oh my word so i was at the gym i don't think that's how it's supposed to be (laughs) yeah it was great so yes but i agree i was confused i got confused it took me a while to figure out who was who and (laughs) who was who (sighs) anyway that was (laughs) a dumb joke (laughs) and which was which (laughs) (laughs) anyway so and so so i don't know for sure and maybe if i read it again it'll like hit me in the face but so we know that mrs what's it used to be a star so can we assume that mrs who and mrs which also used to be stars i i don't know i got the feeling that they were different. I I don't know. I had a sense that, I mean, why would they they point that out about her and not say anything about themselves? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like maybe did they point that out about them and I just missed it if I read it yeah. again? I mean, I feel like they are all of some sort of higher being. Like a star. Yes. And this also reminds me of the Chronicles of Narnia because in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, we meet a star. And she actually gets married to Prince Caspian. Hmm. It's been a long time mm-hmm. since I've read those books. So that reminded me of that. So Mrs. What's It, when she is in their kitchen, she says to them, there is such a thing as a tesseract. And, like, Mrs. Murray's like, what? And Meg is like, what? "What?" (laughs) Yeah, we're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So, Mandy, I don't know what page this is on in your book, but in our books it's on page 85. So turn to page 85 in the book. It's also chapter chapter 5. Got it. Chapter 5. So they explain to Meg what a tesseract is and on page 86 and 87 and 88 they give us some pictures some drawings some sketches to help us understand i thought that was kind of them yeah it was helpful 
there are drawings. Yeah. There. That. It's helpful. So, in the book, a tesseract is the fourth dimension squared. So it's the fifth dimension, and it is wrinkling time. So Mrs. Who takes her skirt, and she holds it out straight, and then she wrinkles it, you know, and takes her two fingers, and now her two fingers that were holding her skirt are closer together. And so they say, we get somewhere faster by wrinkling time. And what is the quote? Something about... The shortest distance between two points is not a straight line. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in math, so this is actually a real thing. Oh, dear. The tesseract is to the cube as the cube is to the square. I wonder if a certain teacher of ours has read this book. I don't know. You should ask certain. him. But it's also referred to as the four-dimensional hypercube. And there's a helpful video on YouTube that I sent to you guys, and I will also put it in the show notes. Watch it. It helped me. Maybe it'll help you. You sent me a video. Oh, it's in the show notes. Yes. (laughs) Now, if if you're a fan of the Marvel Universe, anybody? Ah, yes, right here. Mandy, yes. And many multiple listeners of ours, I'm sure. So, in the Marvel Universe, there is a Tesseract. It is referred to as many different things. It's referred to as the Infinity Stone, mm-hmm. the Cosmic Cube. Do you remember any mm-hmm. of this, Mandy? Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of these movies, but I don't remember any of this. So, I guess <laughs> I need to watch them again. Um, but one of its powers is opening portals to travel through space. So, pretty cool. Yes. Do you guys have any thoughts on the Tesseract? It's the one thing that made sense to me in the whole book. (laughs) Really? I was just like, of course, yeah, that's the time is bending, sure. But who are these ladies? (laughs) The the Infinity (laughs) Stone is what... I'm pretty sure that's what uh, the Avengers movie, it's not released yet, is going to be about... Uh, the Infinity War. Nice. So, so yes. that'll be fun. Fun time. Awesome. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. Mandy, watch that YouTube video. Watch it. I will watch it. I will also watch it. include I- a link to the Marvel Wiki page. Wikia. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it explains it all. That's where I got all my info. Excellent. So. So, just to speak to this science portion of our event, um, Miss Lingle was very much into studying physics and all kinds of different sciences. (laughs) Particle physics, she listed. Um, Nice. I would hope so. Part of the controversy with her is... Her combination of religion and science and sometimes saying one can inform the other and the other can inform the other and (laughs) that things are always shifting and changing and her religion is always changing and um, 
yeah. So that is also some of where the controversy would come from. And I don't, I don't agree with her theology, but it doesn't mean I can't read her book. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't know. So anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there. That was free. Thanks, Leah. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> so we find out that Meg and Charles Wallace's dad has been missing for several years. Mr. Murray. He's a physicist that works for the government. And that's all we know. Hmm. It's never good to work for the government in these Mm -hmm. types of books. Exactly. So everybody in the community (laughs) just thinks that he ran off and he didn't. So, so there. So there. Take that community. (laughs) That's what happens when you're judgy. That's right. Then we meet Calvin O'Keefe. Calvin. Calvin. He's cute. Calvin's a cool dude. (laughs) (laughs) So he's a friend from school. He is 14 years old, but he's a junior in high school because he's so bright. His family's not very nice. Um... So he's very fond of the Murray family and fond of Meg. So he kind of likes to hang out with their family. And so Calvin, Meg, and Charles Wallace are what, swept away. Yeah, swept away on an adventure by the Mrs. W's <laughs> to find their dad and rescue him. And then I have no idea what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So by using the Tesseract, they travel through time and space. And they end up on the planet Uriel. I hope I'm saying that the way that it's supposed to be pronounced. Not a real place. So I think you're good. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) And it is on this planet that the Mrs. W's... Uh, show the children the black thing. And according to them, it is the source of all evil in the universe. And they see that the black thing is hovering over Earth. Do you do you guys know what that is supposed to represent? Like, no, I was relying on you for that, Leah. <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> do you have a guess? It's just evil. like evil in general. Um, and or is it like pollution or something no. stupid like that? <laughs> in one of her things, she says Meg learns that love is stronger than hate. So, mm. so it represents hate. I'm guessing it represents hate <laughs> because when she conquers it, that's she conquers with love I the black see thing. That. So. And hate is hovering over Earth. Yeah. But I do and feel Earth. like it also does represent that kind of evil that's always, always there. So then the Mrs. W's take the children to see Happy Medium. And she lives in a cavern on a planet in Orion's belt. Which is awesome. <laughs> yes. She's human in appearance, and she uses the crystal ball to see far-off lands and planets. 
she prefers to look at the bright side of things. And she helps... She doesn't want to, but she helps the children see the black thing closer through the crystal ball. And let them know why they are fighting it and what they are up against. Very helpful, that happy medium. She Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then they get sent to Kamazots. And the Mrs. W's give them tidbits of wisdom. And they say, we can't come with you, but we know your dad is here somewhere. So they tell... They tell Meg that her strengths are actually what she and other people have viewed as her weaknesses, but they're actually her strengths. And so I think it takes her a while to figure out what they mean by that, but I think by the end she figures it out. And they tell Charles Wallace not to be too sure of himself, and they tell Calvin that... He has a gift of communication and to use it. I loved that portion of the book. I love the message that that can convey to children. Obviously, she's anti-conformity. And to me, Meg, I know she said none of her characters are like her. But to me, she is Meg. And I, I did read in another interview that she did feel a lot of similarities to Meg. How she felt alone mm-hmm. and not understood and... Um, just forced to conform and and hide who she really was, and I and I definitely saw that here with her saying, you know, what what everyone sees as your weakness is your greatest strength, because I I felt like that was mm-hmm. her like <laughs> encouraging herself, yeah. like right, my yeah. creativity <laughs> and love of creative writing is not a weakness; yeah. it is a strength. Yeah, and I think kids need to hear that sometimes. Like, yeah, you don't fit in exactly like everyone else that's good <laughs> like we yeah. need people like that yep that is good so this planet of Kamazots is very similar in landscape to earth but they soon find that there's something just a little bit off about this planet everything is the it. same <laughs> The houses are the same. Uh, People do stuff at the same time. For example, the children outside bouncing the balls at the same time. And then all the moms come out and call them inside the house at the same time. And in that scene, there was one child who wasn't doing it at the same time. And I forget what happens to him. Something happens to him. He gets, like, put in jail or something, right? He gets put in this room and has to keep bouncing the ball until he is back into... In sync with the rest of them. And something about, like, they're torturing him. Like, every time he bounces the ball, he gets, like, electrocuted or something. Like, something is causing him pain or something. Mm Mm-hmm. So they find out that the planet is being ruled by IT, capital I-T, and it is it has forced the people to conform. So this definitely, like, I definitely get some dystopian society vibes from this place. Do you guys get that? 
Yes. This place scares me. (laughs) (laughs) It should. This is when I was all in for this book because it's like, okay, I can follow this. (laughs) (laughs) I like to, I don't know. I love the dystopian society genre, so. I do too. It's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Because I just think that has, that's the idea of, of trying to have everything so organized that we can eliminate war and sickness and, you know, everything that we consider bad, you know, because whatever government mm-hmm. can control everything so well. Like, I just think that over, like, history, like, that has been tried over and over again in different yeah. ways. And obviously not to this level. But I right. hope that never right. happens. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't know. And there's just something, I don't know if it's the rebel inside of all of us, but there's just something about, like, books like The Hunger Games or The Giver where when the people finally realize that they can rebel and they can fight mm-hmm. back and then they do, yeah. I'm just like, yes! Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about Revolution. that that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with this place, the people, they, they are literally being controlled to conform. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, books like the hunger games or the giver like the people are being forced to do something by the government but they still have that choice aspect right like i guess like free will if you want to call it that like they don't have to do this but there's severe consequences if they don't Mm -hmm. do it but here on kamazats the people literally have to do it because they're like being mind controlled and you know if if the people are like the people i guess i guess they can fight it but it's very hard and if you do fight it then you have to be put in a box and forced to do it until you get it right yep so it's like these people they they can't really fight back so they need someone on the outside to help them at least that's what i get that's my interpretation <laughs> yes. of it yes Yep. Sounds right. <laughs> Which, I mean, if you want to get deep into... I mean, we could stop here and get into that. <laughs> Do you have some thoughts, Lauren, you'd like to I get mean, out? I mean, I didn't write anything down. It just, for me, it just brings up thoughts of... Within Christianity, there are those of us in our circles who, yes... Like, we believe that man is responsible for his actions, but we also believe that God is sovereign and all of that. I I like the thought. That's another, I guess, controversial view that Madeline holds. And I'm still not certain exactly what she believes. I was trying to make sense of it, and I don't remember which article I read it in, but basically she says something about sovereignty versus free will, and basically Mm -hmm. 
God's in control, but he lets us write the story or something like that. Um, That was one of her quotations. So I was confused about what she believed. Yeah. Um, I guess what I was trying to get at is, at least in our, you know, in our reformed circles, we believe that the only way for us to to be saved is is literally God saving us. Right. Like, like there's nothing us within of- us. Yeah, there, there's nothing within us that can save ourselves. Like, we have no desire to want God or love God or anything like that until he comes and reaches down to us and gives us that desire. So that's just what this reminded me of. It's like these people, there was there was nothing they could do to save themselves. They needed someone on the outside to help them. Right. And that's that's how we are. We can't, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And that's like what mercy and grace is. Like it's true, literal mercy. Yeah. Because it's literally nothing we have done. (laughs) Yep. And I'm not really very eloquent at explaining stuff like that because. Well, I mean, I am. It's hard to understand, but. But that's just what this reminded me of. Mm-hmm. I was hoping the two of you would chime in with some things because <laughs> I had thoughts like that. I just don't know how to mm-hmm. do the wordage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we meet the man with the red eyes. The scary person yes. thing. So he is human, but there's a voice speaking to the children through him that is not his own. And the book says that his mouth doesn't even move when he speaks. And we figure out that it is speaking through him. And he convinces Charles Wallace to let it possess him. And so this is where Charles Wallace doesn't listen to the advice of Mrs. Witch. And... He thinks, I'm the only one that can fix this because I'm a genius and whatever else is going on with him that we don't know about. And so he's (laughs) like, I I have to do this and I can withstand its possession. I can, I'm strong enough, but we learn that he's obviously not strong enough. And so we are led to, we finally find their dad. And he's being held prisoner in this box thing. And so Meg gets him out. This is where Meg and I have a falling out. <laughs> All right. Tell me. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember now. Yes. Yes. Talk about that. Because. Okay. No, I'm not going to get everything right. But she just starts freaking out because her dad can't just instantly fix everything as soon as they free him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she has all this hatred and anger and just temper tantrums that she's throwing because her right. dad is free, but he can't just make everything better. Yeah. She's had this, she's kind of held her dad up on a pedestal for so long. And like, he's, you know, he's super smart and he can do anything. And I don't know, maybe... 
all of us at some point in our life have that thought about our dads or our parents. Yeah. The, or, or whatever. Maybe it's not your mom or your dad, but maybe it's just someone you you just highly respect. And then the first time that they show evidence that they're human, <laughs> then you're just like, what? <laughs> like, I'm so mad at you for not being my superhero, you know, which is kind of kind of what I got from Meg there. Yeah. Yeah. This was definitely the point from this point on, like she just gets mad every time he can't fix something. And yeah. I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah. Cause in her mind, if they find, once they find dad, everything's going to be like, that's it. Like game over. We're the winners. We're going back home. Right. And that's not what happens. Which I There's mean, a lot more book left over. It is that, kind of so. an awesome plot twist because in most stories, you know, that's kind of what happens. Right. Like you have this yeah. goal and they reach it and suddenly everything's better. And in this story mm-hmm. they reached it and nothing was better. <laughs> Everything was actually yeah. much worse. And so yeah. Well, we weren't planning on Charles Wallace's situation. Well, and that's <laughs> she gets mad because her dad can't make Charles Wallace get better and because he's not understanding that this isn't the normal Charles Wallace because yeah. he doesn't know Charles Wallace. <laughs> And right, right. It's just this like collapse of everything. Yeah, and it's interesting because like she gets mad because like her dad can't fix it, and so then she's like, "Well, we've got to get the Mrs. W's back because yeah, then they'll fix it." You know, Which, she doesn't want to solve her own problem. Exactly. She needed to do it herself. She was the <laughs> one that needed to fix it anyway. Mm-hmm. Find exactly. your inner strength, child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get really emotional about this book. <laughs> and there's like four more of them, so I know I'm so excited. It's be fun. Oh boy. Warren's <laughs> <laughs> like a series. Yes. Well, look. I need answers. I'm. You guys know that about me. I just like to oh, know. know the things, and I need to know. So, no, oh, I could go for some answers too. Mm-hmm. So, which we also we didn't mention that Meg gets her dad out of the prison he's in by using Mrs. Who's spectacles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I still wonder if that's when it was meant for her to use them, but whatever. When do you think she should have used them? I don't know. I just don't really feel like she didn't do anything she was supposed to do. <laughs> no. Yeah, because she was like, "This is like last resort, la la la," and there was a lot more stuff that happened. <laughs> so that definitely wasn't last right. resort situation. Well, then, <laughs> I mean, we're getting there, but I feel like it didn't help her dad either because he messes up. Yeah, he would have been better off just being held there for a little while. <laughs> we'll come back for you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so then they go and they actually, like, meet, I guess they meet it. And we mm-hmm. find out that it is, like, embodied in, embodied in this kind of larger than normal brain, which is kind of weird. 
Ew. So, and we find out that it has convinced the people of Kamazots to let him control them because that will eliminate war and unhappiness and inefficiency. So they did have a choice, technically. Right. Yes. Well, but he he is kind of manipulated them into letting him take over and he you he speaks through pawns like the man with the red eyes but we also learn that he can speak directly to a person through telepathy mm-hmm. and there's not really a clear explanation in the book this book as to what its relationship is to the mm-hmm. black thing so i think we can assume that there is some relationship yeah. You know, is There's it is it the black thing? That's why I'm maybe right. in a future episode we can give you all more answers. Because <laughs> we don't have them right now. <laughs> or maybe if you know the answers, send us an email. There we go. Yes. No, no spoilers. I don't have to read the books. <laughs> Stop it, Leah. <laughs> frustrated with this girl. Come on. King friendship, Leah. <laughs> You read them and tell me what they are about. Dude, just purchase the book on your Google thing and then have Google read it to you. It's like a robot's reading it, but gets the job done. Nice. Wow. So it tries to take take over Meg and and Calvin and Mr. Murray as it has done Charles Wallace. And the only way to stop that from happening is Mr. Murray tesseracts them out of there. Mm-hmm. But he has to leave Charles Wallace there because I think their theory was if they took him with him, then he wouldn't have survived or they wouldn't have been able to get, to get the real Charles Wallace back. Right. His brain would have, he would have not been the same if they would yeah. have pulled him out. Yeah. So they end up on Ixchel. I hope I'm saying that right as well. Um, and it's a planet that orbits the same sun as Kamazots. And when Meg wakes up, she's frozen. And again, she's mad because they left Charles Wallace there. And she's really upset about that because she's obviously very protective of him. And so she's again mad at her dad. So another reason for Leah to be upset at her. For real. Like, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) So they are introduced to the, um, I guess, the aliens that live on this planet. And they're described as having four arms, no eyes, and long tentacles instead of fingers. And they're also telepathic. And I just kind of imagine them as, like, Chewbacca's. Me Only too. With four arms and tentacles. <laughs> That's exactly what I pictured. <laughs> this big female Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this creature picks Meg up and takes care of her. And Meg refers to her as Aunt Beast. So we get a name for her. And so she helps unfreeze Meg and help her get better it was nice of her Mm -hmm. and so it is on this planet that the mrs w's come back can i just say something about the beasts 
Yes, yes, go ahead. I just love the beasts. <laughs> um, I know, me too. <laughs> and I, I like the thought that they kind of provoke of how there's so much more to the world than just seeing and yes there was like a line that they say that says something about i highlighted it somewhere but basically that seeing is very restrictive and Mm -hmm. that you have to determine what everything is based but on how it looked and not what it actually is and yeah i don't know i just that was so fascinating to me and Again, something that I think is good for kids to think about, like, everything you see is not what there is. <laughs> like, there's more to life than that. Yeah. Okay, yes, go on. that was very profound. <laughs> very profound. And so, yeah, so the Mrs. W show up again, and I was going to say, I don't remember, do they just show up or... She's, like, asking about them and wondering where they are. And then all of a sudden you hear a voice that says, we're here. And it's them. So suddenly a thundering voice reverberated throughout the Great Hall. We are here. That's that's when they showed up. They slightly scare me. <laughs> they do. In what way? Because it's like... I don't know. They're helpful and I sort of have a sense of protection from them, but at the same time, like, they're not going to do everything for you and they get a little bit angry, especially right here. And they do. Well, it's because Meg keeps throwing her tantrum and they're like, look. No, I understand why. I just. So frightening. I have a question. Um, around this time is when Meg's, it says she's freed from the, the blackness inside of her. Is that how it phrases it? Are you guys still there? What page is that on? You would think I'd remember since I just read it, but. Okay, so, um, in our books, it's on page 215 at the bottom. It's like a couple pages into chapter 12. So it says, Meg's tears stopped as as abruptly as they had started. But I do understand. She felt tired and unexpectedly peaceful. Now the coldness left her body. Um, It's just she looked toward her father and her confused anger was gone and she felt only love and pride. Yeah. So that's, it just kind of suddenly everything changed. And so I was confused, like... Was something in her causing her to act like that after they went through the black mm. thing the first time? There's so many questions in this Right, book. like was the coldness in her from the black thing? Right. That was causing her mm. to be... Angry and hateful and whatnot. I like that theory, Leah. I like it a lot. I like it too. This book makes me think Still too much. Because it, it gives me an answer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, so, like, they go through, like, Mr. Murray is like, I'll go get Charles Wallace, and they, you know, give a reason why he can't go. It's because his glasses broke, so he can't see anything. 
And then Calvin says, I'll go. And they give reasons why Calvin can't do it. And so finally Meg is just like, okay, I'll do it. And it kind of reminds me of Lord of the Rings when, when Frodo's like, okay, I'll carry the ring. Do you guys not understand that <laughs> reference? No, I did. I just didn't have anything yes. else to say. <laughs> I feel like any book with, like, a journey in it, though, can be compared. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like, like Frodo doesn't want to carry the ring. Like, he right. doesn't want to do it. And then, like, at the Council of Elrond, like, he's realizes, like, I, I'm the only one that can do this. So I guess I'll do it. Yeah, it was definitely one of those moments. Yeah. She just kept trying to push the blame to everyone else, and then she realized she was the Mm -hmm. only one. Yep. So she goes back, gets Charles Wallace, and Mrs. Witch says to her before she, like, as she's kind of sending her back, she says, oh, it's on page 223, and it's like, as she's, like, being sent, Mrs. Witch says, I've not given you my gift. You have something that it has not. This something is your only weapon, but you must find it for yourself. And so, like, she hears that, and so then as she's trying to battle it, she remembers what she said. And so on page 227, you know, she's like, what is it that I have got that it hasn't got? And and she remembers that she has love. On page 228, she says, Mrs. Whatsit loves me, and that's what yes. she told me, that she loves me. That was such an epic moment. Mm-hmm. Charles Wallace said, Mrs. Whatsit hates you. And that yeah. was its mm-hmm. fatal mistake. Yeah. (laughs) Ha ha ha! You lose, evil! And she remembers, oh yeah, like, Mrs. What's-It loves me, my father loves me, my mother loves me, Charles Wallace loves me. See, that is the power of truth in your mind when these moments come all of a sudden. That is not true. Yep. But so she's like, okay, I've got love, but now what? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? You know? You know? So she's like, I can't love it. She's, you know, I'm incapable of loving it. But she's like, I can love Charles Wallace. I love Charles yeah. Wallace. Yeah. So she loves him. She tells him she loves him. Sentimental moment. Mm-hmm. And that's how she saves him. And then all of a sudden they show up in their backyard again. This movie is going to be so epic. (laughs) I know that's so like that's how it ends. Like they're just in the backyard and mom and the twins come out and like they're all reunited and their dad's there. And then Mrs. What's it and Mrs. Who like they they say something, but then they're cut off and they said something. Well, we have to. And then we don't know what they had to do. They were gone. And I have questions that need answers. What are your questions, Lauren? So here's my questions. Number one. Number one (laughs) is what is the deal with Charles Wallace? (laughs) Like, why is he so special? And why can he tell what some people are thinking? And why is he so intelligent? Why? 
Because he's one of them, Lauren. He's one of them. One of the W? One of the Mrs. W's? <gasps> Charles Wallace. Wallace starts with a W. What? You guys. He's a Mr. W. I don't want any part of this. <laughs> Mandy doesn't like this theory. I don't know. I'm in the second book. I'm going to I find mean, out eventually. Don't they say that in there? Like, he's one of us? Or he's... Yeah, but what does that mean, though? One of the one of the knowing ones. Like, you know, when people I say, what, well, it's, you know, he's one of us. Like, that just means, like, he's our family. Yeah, but he... But I don't think he was a star. You don't know that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to find out, guys. My other question is, what is the black thing? Hate. Evil. I don't know. I think it's hate, um, but we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, my question is, is it like, is it just like a thing or is it like an entity or right. like, Does it are have we gonna, like, in later books, are we going to like, we need answers. Right. Yeah. So that's We're like kind out, of guys. These questions kind of all go together. But so Meg saves Charles Wallace from it, but does she defeat it? Like, or is Kamazot yeah, still under clear. the power of it? I I don't believe that. I don't think she yeah, defeated and, it. And what if Charles Wallace is a thing? What does it know now from having what? Yeah, I didn't think him? about that. What did he learn from Charles Wallace? Yeah. I'm scared now. Yeah. So then, like, so, so, like, we don't know what its relationship is with the black thing. So it's like, what about the black thing? This book gave us no answers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I need answers. <laughs> so before we go on, do you guys have any last thoughts on this book? I do not. <laughs> Charles Wallace! Thank you, Mandy. <laughs> so, the 1963 Newbery Honor books are Thistle and Time, or Thyme, as the Brits say it. Oh, boy. Tales and Legends from Scotland. And the other book was Men of, Ath- Men of Athens. So, check those out. They seem pretty cool. So, here's the point. We're going to discuss Disney's Wrinkle in Time trailer. Have you both seen the trailer? Yes. I didn't want to watch it, but you made me. (laughs) Anyway, so what are your thoughts on this trailer, guys? It it is just as intriguing and confusing as the book. I have a couple questions. Okay. (laughs) Is this going to be a series? I don't see how else they would do it. But I hope so. Also, why is it set in the modern time? It's way creepier if it's in the 60s. Yeah. I agree with that. I Especially because I just love things that are set in, like, date, previous days. The 60s are a really creepy know. time. So, like, the 50s, 60s, yeah. that area, like... I don't know what it is about movies that are set then, but yeah, super creepy. Oh, well. Isn't that sort of the time period that 
peculiar is set in? Yeah, I would say so. Maybe 40? No. Maybe a little earlier. I don't know. I don't know why they decided to do that. I was a... I have to admit I was a little disappointed when I yeah, I'm disappointed. figured that out. But yeah, I'm excited. But I'm excited that they're they're doing it. Yeah. And in a in kind of relation to that like uh I've just been kind of watching some interviews of the actors and we through some interviews we we learned that Mrs. Who's quotations will be updated. Nice. To be more modern. So, and in one interview I listened to, Mindy Kaling, who plays Mrs. Who, states that her character quotes Jay-Z. Yes. And stuff like that. So, that should be fun. Fun for the kids, you know. I I try to not have preconceived notions. I feel like with Mindy Kaling playing Mrs. Who, I mean, they would be mistaken if she weren't a hilarious character. I know, yeah. <laughs> like, why would you pick Mindy Kaling if she weren't going to be yeah. absolutely hysterical? Yeah. I love The Office. <laughs> I don't think that she's not going to be quoting, like, people like Aristotle or whatever, or Shakespeare, and only be quoting modern people. I just think they threw in some modern quotes to make it fun. Spice it up. So, yeah. yeah. It looks amazing. I mean, with a Disney budget, it's going to be spectacular yeah. i'm excited the actors all look great yes i'm excited it has what's his face chris pine i'm a big fan yes chris pine plays the dad it has a girl from um girl meets world rowan blanchard yeah i would like to know who she is because i don't remember seeing her in the trailer charles wallace is adorable i want to know who she's gonna play We'll just have to wait and see. Mandy, are you ready to announce our next book? I am. (laughs) Yes, Mandy. Tell us what our next book is for next month. Our next book. It's only because I already purchased it. So I'm ready. It could be any book. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. (gasps) Yay! By Robert C. O'Brien. I'm excited. I am excited, too, because we watched the movie when we were children, Lauren. We did. We did. The movie's a little different than the book, so. And the name of it is, too. What is the, the Secret of Nim? Yes, they. the movie's called The Secret of Nim, and they even changed her name to Mrs. Brisby. Yes, because they yes. didn't want to have to deal with like the frisbee company and like <laughs> s- copyright yeah. issues, even oh, though it's wow. spelled different. Yeah. So, yeah. so awesome! I'm excited about that. Did we want to talk about some listener feedback, guys? Of course, we wouldn't be here were it not for our listeners. I um uh, I got a lot of feedback from A Wrinkle in Time a post I put on Facebook today and nothing like crazy, but just a lot of people saying how they read it as a kid and some of them, you know, read it as a kid and read it as an adult and just loved it. All good things. So I think one person said they read it and were freaked out. So. (laughs) I mean, we were a little bit too. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So that's okay. That's that's all right. (laughs) But Mandy, you got some feedback. You got a personal... 
I did. Message sent my, to you. My former uh, history teacher, Mr. Robert Van Ness, actually sent us a book that he would like us to read, a, a Newbery Medal winner. So I told <gasps> a him suggestion. that we will... Yes, I told him that we will add it to the queue. Nice. What so book it is, is it? in there. Um, Johnny Tremaine, the story of Boston in revolt against the British. So why did he tell you why he likes that book? Uh, yes. Um, he said, It is the single book that lit my passion for history. My second grade teacher gave it to me, and within the first pages I was hooked. It did help that I could really imagine the setting, especially because I live near so many historic places. Nice. So So that um, book kind of yeah. set the trajectory of his life almost. That is the power of a book. Yes. Yes. I love the power of books, guys. Oh, nice. So Mr. V, we'll get to it. Yes, thank you. He has a podcast too, right? Yes. I feel like we should plug that. What's it what's it called? Um I believe it's Virginia History Podcast is his Okay, cool. So check that out if you're into history. We'll put a link to it in the notes. We will. Shout out to Mr. V. Awesome. All right, let's tell the people how they can get in touch with us. You can email us your feedback, book suggestions, comments, polite criticisms, whatever else you have for us. <laughs> to answers to questions yes. we have. We have so many questions now. Uh, to teamfriendshippodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at teamfriendshippodcast. We're on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash teamfriendshippodcast. You can follow us on Twitter, even retweet us if you feel so led, <laughs> at <laughs> Three Friends Podcast, and that is the number three at the beginning. And our website, teamfriendshippodcast.com. And for our personal contact info, yes, you can find me on Instagram, that's probably where I'm most active, Leah Raniel is my screen screen name, and Raniel is R-A-N-J-E-L. Find me on Instagram at Mandy Malay. And I'm on Twitter at Gracie Firstborn. Well, friends, we will see you all on another time. And remember, friends, no two persons ever read the same book. And if you're Mandy, you love Charles Wallace! Have you purchased any other books recently? Uh, I think just around one time. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost Mandy. It sounded like she fell off of a cliff. <laughs> yes. Oh, She's now in her pit of books. <laughs>
<laughs> you don't understand, okay? <laughs> She's back from her pit of books. When I clean, I will, I will let the friendship <laughs> post a picture of my book abyss. All right. Nice. It's terrifying and wonderful. <laughs> I think I already said, told everyone about Charlotte's Web and all that last time. You did. Sorry. Sorry, nothing new. All right. It's all right. I just, you know, I didn't want to miss an opportunity to ask you if you had. But now I feel like I'm letting the people down and I should go shopping, so. <laughs> whatever excuse you need to go buy books. Yeah, what, yeah whatever you got to tell yourself to go to the Barnes & Noble. I don't need an excuse. They usually send me a coupon and that is excuse enough. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I love love. Great. <laughs> That's good. Insert book news sign-off jingle. <laughs> I was clapping for you. I appreciate it, Lauren. It's Madeline. All right, Madeline it is. Did I just, you just listened to it on Google. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was like, I heard something I that's happening. What, I heard. <laughs> what is happening? I was like, we can't go through this whole podcast. Like, Madeline, Madeline, what is it? So I figured it out. I mean, I like Madeline, Madeline better. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier mm-hmm. to say. Rolls off the tongue better. Right? Yes. Okay. Author info. Okay. <laughs> Controversy. Yeah, I can't Ban even it. believe that. <laughs> what if, what we if we call it something balls. else? What if we don't call it a crystal ball? Will that make it okay? Probably, Probably not. Anyway. <laughs> To those people, probably. <laughs> How about a fluffy pillow? Oh, this is my favorite book. <laughs> anyway, sorry. And can I hang on a second, guys? Sorry, the baby monitor was on and Nora's going to sleep and her music was playing through the baby monitor. Nice. <laughs> You're supposed to say, yes, Lauren. What an amazing reference. I love it. That's, so edit. That was an amazing reference. <laughs> Mandy, have you seen the trailer? I am the one that sent you the trailer. Well, that didn't mean you watched it. Yeah, I watched it, Lauren. <laughs> Just answer the so. question. <laughs> and do you send us stuff that you haven't even watched <laughs> oh i can't think of his name what is that guy he was in i think he was in the um everything just went out of my head guys i think i think i'm dying it's okay it's all right <laughs> they, they sorry i keep interrupting you, you. They were i keep out interrupting for you, you mandy <laughs> It's a good um, thing I'm not recording the Skype call. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay, let's get this show Damn. on the road. All right, here we go. Come on, Mandy. Come my, on. 